This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm Billy Grant and I'm coming to you from the virtual joint yet again and it's still festive and I'm sitting here with a glass of wine. I've decided not to go back to the Globe because we had such a raucous time in the Globe just before Christmas. I, I couldn't take it anymore and then we had a, we were in the Globe for the, for the Tottenham game and we drew to all and I just couldn't take it anymore so I'm sitting here chilling out in the virtual point, I've got a glass of wine and I've got my buddies around me and they've all got a drink here and we thought we all celebrate in a virtual zone. And we've got Lady in the house. Lady, how are you? I'm good, mate, yeah. Um, I agree. Um, we've got West Ham away tomorrow. It's going to be a big, heavy day as well. So uh, it's probably better that we can uh, sit here with clarity of mind and thought and we can uh, look back and then look forward. So, yeah, it's the last, the last remnants of Christmas and then we've got New Year to look forward to now. Oh, so, so you got a glass of clarity, do you? Right? I wouldn't mind. No, I've got um, I've got a glass of lager actually, but cl- clarity <laughs> okay. sounds good. Okay, all right. Okay, maybe you can pop out and get some clarity in, in the first break. Anyway, so anyway, we have got Ali Balali in the house, who was who's been absolutely potty for it last week in the pub. I'm not sure if we could take her back there again. I don't think they're gonna, you know, they might have a ban because she was just so raucous. I'm going to the pub tonight, actually, after this, if I'm honest. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, happy, what is it? Without happy us. In, yeah, without you. Happy in between Christmas and New Year. Um, I've eaten my body weight in Christmas cake and um, back to the pub tonight. Yeah, looking forward to the game tomorrow. That's all good. Yeah, and we've got the Allard in the house. The Allard, how are you? I'm all right, yeah, but, but you promised the pub. You promised it at the end of the last podcast, the Tottenham. I- sort of play out podcast you promised I did the promise the pub I have to admit <laughs> I woke up yesterday morning and I thought I can't do I can't do this again I can't do it again so uh so what we'll do is that we'll have a a lapsed promise and we could let's say try and promise the pub next week maybe yeah, let's just see how that goes how will that work, that work? maybe yeah okay yeah maybe right. yeah we, but saying that we are playing we're playing West Ham again next week, aren't we? So can we just repeat this podcast, like you know, what I'm saying, sort of kind of duplicate it or yeah. just chop it with the scissors and yeah, chop some it up. Most on it, relevant, maybe? Especially what we say about just guess, a small matter of the Liverpool game in between. Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah, we got we completely fluffed it. We got a Liverpool. Well, no. Well, yeah, there's a Liverpool game in between, and 
and thanks for reminding us that, Ali. We will probably be doing one of our mini-pods for the Liverpool game because, obviously, it'll be happening between New Year's Day and uh, the next day, whenever that is. So, whether or not we'll be Hang able on, to... you just... But you, but you He's a bloody liar. <laughs> He's a liar. <laughs> Yeah. Matt, uh, come to the uh, pub with me tonight, all right? <laughs> I, I, I can see the Allards obviously hurting because, you know, because he missed out on a bit of pub activity a week or so ago. Is that right? Yeah, we'll have to make up for it tomorrow, won't we? There's, there's, lots, there's lots of fun to be had tomorrow on a sort of a weird weekday yes, most when we're all off. Sorry to the folks that are working and keeping the country <laughs> running. Right. But, so, yeah. uh, but anyway, listen, let's, uh, let's carry on with this pod because it's already gone a bit off kilter, as we're saying. So, um, I mean, this week, you know, Thomas Frank, it's a good bit of news, he has signed a new contract and he's going to be at Brentford till sort of 2097, from what I can gather. So he's going to be, we all knew he's going to be at Brentford forever. So, you know, him signing the contract was just kind of like, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. But also, sort of almost like a slight, not I say irony, but at the same time that, you know, Thomas Frank signs his new contract, we have Dean Smith who was our manager, who we loved very well, and he's a really, really nice work, really good bloke. He left us for Aston Villa, then Aston Villa sacked him, he went to Norwich City and uh, got relegated with Norwich, took them down to the Championship, uh, and they're in fifth position at the moment now. I think they lost, was it three or four games in a row, or three out of four games or something like that, and they've decided to sack Dean Smith. And um, looking at the timeline of the Norwich fans, they all love him as a person, think he's a really nice person, but they've said, you know, unfortunately, the time is right for you to leave. And they, they don't seem to be too upset about Dean Smith leaving Norwich. So, uh, I mean, this is obviously a bit of a sad moment for Dean in itself. Is it a surprise for you, Laney? Yeah, it is, it is a bit of a surprise, but it just shows you the, like, the streaky nature of his, of his reigns. Um, you know, it's something that Walsall fans warned us about. It's something that we... Um, we saw firsthand that you know great winning runs would be followed up by you know a sequence where we, we couldn't buy a win although we, we you know we played okay um, and then Norwich have seen that as well whereas at Brentford he was backed by DOFs and an owner which was was kind of uh, happy to see through those those streaky runs at Norwich the pressures a little bit different <clears throat> they're looking to go straight back up after getting relegated they're a yo-yo club um, and they weren't they weren't prepared to be uh, to be patient which you know I, I guess um, I guess that Dean knew that he was never ever going to get that kind of safety of Brentford again you know they, they, they didn't show that faith in him at Aston Villa which was a great shame because he did bring them some real highlights you know that 7-2 win over Liverpool and taking them up back up to the Prem, you know, he he, he did achieve stuff at, at Aston Villa, which is his you know his his, his boyhood club and the, the team he supports. But you know, it, it shows you once you leave the comparative safety of Brentford, you're exposed to kind of the real football world, and it's a it's a brutal dog eat dog world out there. And he's he's um he's probably he's probably left with another big paycheck but I'm, I'm sure his career um, has kind of been derailed a little bit we wish him luck though. yeah I mean I've got to ask the Allard I mean looking at the championship you know and I do like to look to see what's happening in the championship because I still have a lot of fondness for that league you know to me it seems that you know with Burnley and, 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 and the Blades you know that league seems to be wrapped up already and it's just just after Christmas it seems that those two teams have got the automatic spot and then it's down to the rest who are going to sort of battle for that third place through the through the playoffs I mean and which means that in effect Norwich 
possibly are resigned to the playoffs. Maybe they thought they were going to get an automatic place. And if they don't do as well, they can actually find themselves out of that little that little hole. Now, do you think that's a kind of fair reflection? Yeah, you come to the wrong bloke on that because um, like, like I didn't know what was going on in the Premier League when, I, when we were in the Championship, I've got no idea what's going on. In the, I don't have enough time for all this, Bill. Um, uh, but my quick reflection on Dean Smith, I'm, I'm going to switch the question, is that, um, is that once Thomas Frank was our manager and Dean Smith was at Villa, I'm pretty sure, didn't we beat them in the first time we faced them? Um, and from that moment on, I think I was fairly comfortable with what happened. Not to say Dean Smith isn't a great bloke. I, I know he's a great bloke and he, and he certainly is part of our history. Um, and, um, and he certainly you know, was part of making our club a... You know, a, a, a good, decent club, if that makes sense. Um, but I think um, I, I do think Thomas Frank took us to another yeah, level. I mean, we honest. discussed this quite a lot, and again, we're not we're not sort of digging Dean Smith's grave because, again, I say to this, I've got the ultimate respect for him. He's a really, really, really good yeah. bloke. He's a really nice bloke, and I think that he took us to another level. He got us playing some decent football, but also, like I said to you, he sorted out the dressing room when we had all that dressing room nonsense yeah. going on to the Harley Dean era when we had the old school players who wanted to rule the dressing room, and the, the new school players came in and they kind of weren't giving them any light of the day. So he kind of sorted out all the politics and everything like that at the time but I think that you know and I'm just I was just thinking about this the other day as well you know about you know how clever obviously kind of our sort of kind of coaching and scouting and managerial staff are they you know the good thing is and I suppose because they come from a tech background they're used to sort of looking ahead at what where problems may come way ahead of the time so instead of dealing with them at the moment they might deal with them sort of a year or two or three years ahead of the game and they saw what was needed with um, I think with Dean Smith and they thought Dean he's a brilliant people person he sorted the club out but you know tactically you know, he needed a bit of assistance. So even though he had O'Kelly there as well, he brought Thomas, Thomas Frank in underneath Dean Smith to work with him. You know, even though Thomas was probably tactically, you know, a lot cleverer than Dean or better than Dean. I'm not saying it in a disrespectful way. And they brought him in to work together with, um, with, with Dean. And to Dean, because he's got no ego, as opposed to other managers that we've had before who wouldn't have accepted that, he accepted Thomas Frank working with him. So he allowed Thomas Frank to kind of get a bed in in, 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 in the UK football, in, in, in English football as well. It allowed Dean to do his thing. And to be honest, if you think about it, he also allowed Dean to probably get a gig at Aston Villa that maybe he may not have got if he was still working on his own. And I'm, and I'm saying that, that honestly. So I think they all helped each other out as such. Dean got his ideal gig working at Aston Villa, his, dream, his boyhood club. In the end, they wanted a bigger name, you know, which was very stupid. And he went on to, 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 to Norwich. But I think that the main thing I'm saying about this is I think that we realised, you know, maybe where Dean's tactical inefficiencies came and we helped to bolster it by putting somebody in to help him with that. But when he went to other clubs, they kind of just had Dean... And, and they didn't have the rest of the framework that we have. And I think eventually down the line, it gets exposed, Ali. I was just going to say, actually, I think looking back now for Dean Smith, certainly at Villa and since, I think Richard O'Kelly leaving was, was a, a big factor in the same way that Michael Beale, you know, going a separate way from Stephen Gerrard was. And it's sort of like they obviously complemented each other very well and uh, he's never found anybody quite to to replace him in the same way and I, I think that's probably been quite a big factor in you know both of his sackings Villa and Norwich. Yeah he was definitely part of the Brentford evolution you know we talk about mm. this a lot in the you know, the Brentford revolution book and the DOFs they they they, they talk about you know the, the, the kind of the 
paternal influence that Dean had on the had in the dressing room, and they needed someone to come in, as Billy rightly explained, you know, to 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 follow, you know, what was a chaotic kind of post Warburton kind of landscape. We needed someone that could could steady things down and and um, get us focused on kind of building again in the championship. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we tip our hat to him and we we thank him. Um, it, I, I'm you know. It sounds harsh. I'm, I'm glad he moved on when he did in the end. You know, I don't think he would have taken us up, um, and we, I, you know, we, we probably, you know, we wouldn't take him back. But the the, the role that he played in in sort of uh, putting us on the, you know, stopping a spinning club and pointing it back in the right direction, I, I think we will always thank him for. Um, you know, it's it's, it's a, as I said, it was a part of the evolution, and Thomas Frank could then take it on. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully Thomas is there to to keep pushing and to continue that progress. Indeed, indeed. So I mean, like I said to you, look, respect to Dean Smith, and like I said to you, I mean, that kind of shows what fans we are because it's not only us. If you speak to any Brentford fan, they all show a lot of respect for Dean Smith. You know, I mean, I saw him at Wembley when you know Aston Villa he took Aston Villa up, and when he when he played West Brom in the, in the playoff semi-finals as well. You know, and I chatted to him. We had a nice chat, and I wished him all the luck. But as I said, things move on, times moved on, and we've moved on as well. And like I said to you, we've moved on because we actually played Tottenham in the Premier League uh, on Boxing Day. And we're going to actually cast our minds back to that Tottenham game because it was one of the scalps that we just, one of the big scalps that we still haven't got. And we were very, very close to getting three points off them on Boxing Day. But anyway, I'm going to go off, get a little drink. I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about Tottenham. Bradford 2, Tottenham 2. Uh, now, if you said that result a couple of years ago, you'd be going, oh my God, what a marvellous result that was. But Brentford fans went away and, and they were absolutely gutted. In fact, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go over to listen to what the fans had to say. But what I will say about that is I normally stand in the stands with my microphone out and I've got people willing and so eager to chat to you and chat away. And you've got lines of people chatting away and it's a really good vibe. You've got singing in the background and all sorts. We've just drawn two all to Tottenham after being 2 0 up, and I'm standing up there, and literally everybody left. Like the whole stadium had left, and there was like no one there, and there was no singing, and there was no nothing. I don't think there was any music. No one clapped the players as they came around afterwards. It was completely bizarre. But anyway, listen, let's go over to hear what the fans had to say, both Tottenham and Brentford fans, after that Tottenham game. Two 0 two up, and let them back into the game. Um, you know. Shame, Tottenham are uh, Tottenham are the second half team. Yeah, no, I do. I feel, I feel, a, 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 I feel a sense of, of, of disappointment. What happened when Jensen went off? Actually, did seem we lost a bit of uh, bite in midfield. Jensen was really good in midfield today. Hey ho! But we move on. West Ham. Here we come on Friday. First half was great tempo, really fast. Uh, Kane header kind of just blew it away from us, and we did what we usually do. We tried to sit back, let the pressure come on. And it was felt like it was always coming, and we just really didn't have it there. A little bit of match fitness as well. Sounds silly, players been off for six weeks, but Rico I thought was amazing. Just looked really leggy with like 20 left to go, and yeah, it's just a bit flat. But bring it on, Cardi Bees. Uh, even though we got the second goal, but at that point we just kind of like just the whole cohesion, the the glue, the adhesive just separated. And we just won the same team as the, as we did up to leading up to the second goal. So it just kind of like broke up from there. And yeah, we just couldn't come back together again. And um, 
we started giving them a lot of space as well. A lot of decisions as well weren't going our way. And I can't, don't know who to put that down to. And uh, we, we, we stopped being physical as well. So we kind of lost our way in the second half. We didn't seem to be able to get into the game in the first half. You, you, you pressed us so well that we were... We didn't really... I don't think... Uh, we had maybe one or two chances that weren't even like... We didn't, we didn't stand up. There was, there was no goal opportunities. One thing I, I admire about my team is we are, we are very clinical with our chances. We don't, we don't, we, 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 we don't need to take many to score many. It, was, it gave us a lot of confidence. We seemed to grow back into the game from then. The momentum was on our side. It, we, we, we would have hoped for three points, but um, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed, I'd say. When we were 2-0 up and the place wasn't bouncing, it was like... Well, why not? We, we, we're beating Tottenham for God's sake. We'd have dreamed of these days, sort of just a few years ago, and and, and then final whistle, everyone left. I was a bit, bit disappointed with that. I think you know the, the team deserved better. Yeah, Tottenham came back, and in the end, we're obviously clinging on. And um, yeah, the substitutions. I mean, you know, the observations from me were that you know Saman Godos unfortunately came on, not a single run out, but came on, didn't really do much. Um, and most of Tottenham's attacks seemed to come from crosses where they were making their way down our right-hand side and doubling up on kind of Roslev and Perisic was very, very good, I have to say, you know. And there's, there's an example of a player who did play, you know, most of the World Cup, you know, and um, he, he came back and played really, really well today. I was really impressed with Kane. I thought some of the banter was, you know, quite funny. It's funny, some of it was not funny, let's put it that way, you know, taking the piss out of his speech and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, anyway, it's all, it's all part of the fun. It's all part of the fun. I think Brentford a decent team. I think they're... Uh, Firmly set in the Premiership now, they're not um, they're not a lucky side anymore. So I think it's a fair result. I think most of us before the game said we'd take a draw, but when you tune it up, you expect hope to do better. But you know, Spurs are a good team. They got some great players going forward, particularly not, not quite so good at the back. And you know, the first hour we were superb. They Norgard was off this planet. You know, the guy was immense. Rico was immense, and we were properly up for it. Um, but you're never going to keep a team like Spurs down for ninety. And good goal, Kane's header, really good header. Good goal, the momentum change there. And Matty Jensen got his yellow, which kind of probably led to the substitution. And the momentum changed completely. Godos chased around like an eager young puppy um, who never quite gets to the ball. And we're on the back foot from then onwards. And towards the end, you're probably playing for the whistle rather than wanting an extra 10 added on for us to score the goal. Overall, Boxing Day, you take a point, don't you? So there you go fans after the game and like I said to you there were um, you know listen you know reality pills were there and I suppose a lot of people turned around and said if you asked me before the game if I would take a point I would have taken it however now after the game I'm a bit gutted so that's kind of seemed to be the common line running through the point is though is we technically could have won that game of course um, if we scored more goals or if Tottenham didn't score as many goals. If we look at the XG on that game, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but that's not the point. The point is that we had 2.36. We created some massive chances, literally in the six-yard box, uh, including the goals. You know, I think one of the goals, the Anelk goal was 80% chance of, you know, similar chances going. And Ivan Tony's goals also was a very big chance as well. But we also created other chances, whereas Tottenham actually the goal that they scored, I think the first goal was 15%. One, you know, in about six or seven of those normally go in the back of the net as well. And I think the second goal is probably even less than that. But listen, fair point. I think this goes to emphasise the fact when you've got elite strikers, elite players who put the ball in the back of the net, they can hurt you as opposed to teams who have better chances and they don't score. Uh, Laney, 
disappointed after that or in reflection you think tell you what I'll take that um, yeah disappointed to, to a certain extent but also in equal measure uh, I, I think that I think we all thought that we, we could lose that um, as, as, as we got into the last five minutes Spurs seem to have uh, <clears throat> kind of uh, they they, they done what they've done on so many occasions this year and come from behind and they look they look they look dangerous uh when you know when Matty Jensen went off and when Norgob went off it, it we, we seem to we, well we don't seem to we definitely lost the midfield and um although we've always got another chance in us and you know there, there were chances coming our way towards the end um it, it it looked like the pendulum had really swung their way you know you you touched on the uh the atmosphere and people not hanging around fans not hanging around um i think i think we kind of know now that any time there's a really early kickoff whether it's a sunday sort of midday or a bank holiday early kickoff that's that's what's going to happen um, and and it, it, people wanted a, you know, there was no chance of getting down the pub really before beforehand, not really, um, for most. Um, so they wanted a, they, they wanted to get down there and um, and make the make make the rest of their, you know, their their Boxing Day um, Lagerfield. So uh, you know, I, I think I think that was inevitable, and the atmosphere was was a bit was a bit flat, but. You know, I don't know whether the club looked to to get fans in early and give them cheap alcohol. You know, call it two pound fifty, three pound, four pound a pint. You know, they are linked. I mean, I know it's not, I know it's not that it shouldn't necessarily be the case, but having a few beers before a match it is uh, it does have a, a knock on into the atmosphere that goes on. That's why under the lights. That's why an evening kickoff is always the most raucous because everyone's had a few beers, and um, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it. As I as I found out in Qatar, because I said to the atmosphere at the games was not quite the same as it has been at previous. I didn't games, know you've been to Qatar, Bill. Yeah, I just thought I'd let you know. I'm saying, but I think it is a point, is what you're saying. It's like, and it doesn't mean that you have to be absolutely rat-ass. It just basically means that it just kind of adds to that, that that that, that frivolity, that kind of that vibe. You know, what I'm saying, and it and definitely wasn't. There. I mean, I was down about about nine thirty, you know. But again, it's one of those ones just trying to slowly get into the vibe. But people were people built into the day a lot slower and if you think about it as well people had to get away from families and try and get away early and a lot of people were probably trying to get there for kickoff and having a few beers afterwards so no definitely wasn't the same uh, the, the LR I'm just going to ask a question I mean we 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 did very well in the first half and then we you know in the second half Norgard who has been injured for quite a long time then he came off um, because obviously we couldn't pay him for the full 90 minutes as well and also uh, Jensen came off as well we we presume it's because of the yellow card that he had and we had players that replaced which probably didn't quite t- uh, keep us at the same level as we had before I mean is this another question of squad depth for Brentford do you think or do you think that we were just a little bit unlucky um, I think if on Yekka's fit he comes on for Jensen and um, I think we win the game um, although admittedly that was at 2-1 um, and, and, and maybe the same with Baptiste I, I, I think we just didn't really have a player to come on for Jensen. Um, I, it wasn't Godos. I, I don't really know who else could have done it, to be honest. Um, I, I, I think that if you go back 10 minutes, um, the real the turning point is the Kane goal. But I don't know there's much we can do to stop that because, for me, that is just... You can't stop teams banging it into the box from midway in their own half. Sorry, midway in our half. You, you can't really stop that. Um, and then it's Harry Kane and he just scores 
you know, a goal, like you've already said, 15% or whatever. Yet that did sort of switch the momentum in the game. But it, it wasn't like we'd sat back before that goal. I just think we got really, unfortunately, caught out. But that is what Tottenham do. I, I bet they're XG shit for the season, and I bet they just score... One, Son scores wonder goals with minimum XG and Kane pretty much scores most of the goals you, you, you know if you can give him an opportunity in the penalty area he tends to score and that's probably literally all Tottenham are doing and we fell foul of that it was just it, that was really unfortunate then I think once the momentum changed we, we looked at these sort of substitutions and, and they just didn't Godos didn't work coming on at all um, I, I even I know it's weird but I just wonder if maybe if Damsgaard had come on and he'd have at least maybe had some legs to try and disrupt the play further up the pits because Godos was just sort of trailing around. Albeit, Godos did stop them scoring a third goal um, when he defended in his in, in our in our box. So you know, it was um, yeah a weird game. Tottenham are a weird side. They're not very good, but they've got three. Well, they got four excellent front players, and they play three of them in each game. And um, and that that's the only reason they're surely in the top four or five. So the question I'm going to ask you, and the thing is, I mean, we, we probably half know the question to this because, you know, it's interesting. When we were in the championship, we got to the stage where we actually knew whenever we were going to have activity in the window or not. And what they would say is that they'd say, um, we're going to have activity if we look like we have a chance to, to get promoted. You know, if we need someone to help us to get to that next level. But if it's a case that, you know, it's going to help us to get from sort of kind of 12th to 8th, you know, um, no interest from Matthew Benham at all in actually investing money then he'd rather invest the money in the summer I'm just wondering now do you think that we may invest in this particular window looking at what happened in that game and looking what happened in general and, and with these players or do you think we're we think that we're, we're we're good enough as it is now and we'll just wait to the summer um, there's a big question over Tony of course so um, maybe hopefully people in the club have got more of a steer on that than, than any of us have so that's one question. Um, do, you, do you need more legs in midfield? Well, if Onyeka's fit, I, I, he comes on and I'm sure he does what we wanted someone to do to replace Jensen. Um, I, I think transfer windows are always about, will, do you get value? If you get value, you, you, um, you sign somebody. And if you're not getting value, unless you're staring relegation in the face, and I don't think we are, you might not. No, I mean, definitely. And like I said, I think we're 4% chance of relegation on 3-5. At 358 at the moment now, um, 538 at the moment now, so for 4%. So at the moment now, relegation is very much in the backwater mm. for us. I mean, Ali. I, I, I would just say, though, it is, it's really tight. It's way tighter than last year, I think, in terms of, you know, probably from about eighth downwards. I think we're all within nine points of the relegation zone. That's pretty tight, isn't it? We're not even halfway through. I mean, I suppose we're not halfway through the season, but it, it feels a bit tight. Tighter than last and nobody's year. Been maybe. Nobody's yeah. been cast adrift. Nobody's been cast adrift. Like Norwich and yeah. Watford almost yeah. were by this point. They're, you know, everybody yeah, can still Bour- get out of it. I still think Bournemouth will go yeah. down, for example. Bournemouth will still go yeah. down. They got and 16 everybody points. can still get out of it. I think with the wind, I think with the transfer window opening and the Ivan Tony <clears throat> situation kind of looming larger, I know, you know, I'm not, I've not spoken to Phil Giles. I've got no inside track, but I think uh, Phil's kind of managing that situation. Um, and him being the DOF as well, I, I think that, you know, he, he, he'll probably... I, I, th- I think, whatever the case, I, th- I think we we should we we should be, and we probably are looking at a post-Ivan Tony landscape. You know, whether he had this 
situ- this betting situation hanging over him or not, there was always a chance of him leaving. So we must we must have names that are potential kind of replacements. You know, it's a shame that Halil Devasoglu isn't kind of more integrated into kind of like the the future. It seems like he, his future lies beyond or elsewhere. <clears throat> um, but we do need another. We do need another number nine um, at, at some stage because you know when Marcus Force left, um, it, it did leave a, a, another hole. I mean, we can argue and we have argued for for a long time over you know whether um, Force you know should have been kind of kept, but you know we haven't got we haven't got a, a, a like for like. Not that you're going to get a like for like for Ivan Tony, but you know what I mean. You take him out. You 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 got Wisa, you know that, or 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 Mbumo that that swaps, and then it, it it changes our 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 kind of our potency. So whether it, I I think this window we should be bringing in someone that can be a replacement for Ivan Tony, whether it's in the short term and the, or and or the longer term, if that plays out there. I, I think we've said I think we've said that in every transfer window for the last seven years that we've only got one centre forward, more or less. Do you know what but I mean? We've never, we've never had one. I, I know we've had four. We've never had one that could point, be banned for. Yeah, that's or, or, true. Or let off, yeah, you know, innocent until proven guilty. It's, 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 it's yeah. a difficult yeah. sell yeah. as well to striker because you don't know at this point you don't know how long that ban is going to be. Mm. We want you to come in and blah blah blah. But then in three months' time, it might kick you out. You know, you might be sat on the bench because Tony's going to be back. It's a difficult sell either way. Okay, I mean, from the from the research that I've done, it it's looking like um, nothing. I, I, I'm saying hypothetically and allegedly, if anything does happen to Tony, it's not going to happen before March, possibly even April, which means that we have like you know maybe you know four weeks, six weeks, you know. If he decides, if they decide that he's not going to play for us at that stage, at that stage, you know, so we're going to be quite far into the season, you know, and hopefully quite far into kind of, uh, kind of making sure that we have, uh, we are safe in this league. And then, you know, so what do you do at that stage? Do you, you know, you, you know, you, you've got six weeks and you kind of, you know, you muddle through the six weeks as what we have done in the past. We've we've done that quite a few times before and I, I could see us looking to probably muddle through rather than sort of kind of maybe bring the someone in is, now. Bill, that last month is a very tough month in terms of fixtures. It's not really one you want to be muddling through when you've got Liverpool, Spurs, City, mm. all of that last month, I think. It's not one you want to be having to muddle through. I would, I, I would argue the point that I think we'll be well and truly clear by that stage already. And we'd have already have looked at them fixtures and thought, to be honest with you, if we pick up a point here and a point there, these are bonuses. And that's kind of how you think you look at it because they are already tough fixtures. It'd be more t- tougher if those fixtures were, you know, like your Wolves and your Everton and your Nottingham Forest and then we weren't picking up points against them. But these are the teams that you need to be picking up points against now. And looking back and going to 538, just looking at where they're at, Nottingham Forest, they've got 84% chance of relegation. I think it is. I think it's 84% chance of relegation. Again, the eyes are going slightly. It might be 64, 64% chance of relegation <laughs> at the bottom, bottom place. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 
74. Let's settle on 74. That's right. That's right. Just put it in the middle there. Then we've got Everton at second bottom, right, with 49% chance of relegation. Wolves at third bottom, 44% chance of relegation. Bournemouth, fourth bottom, they've got with also with 44% chance of relegation. Southampton, fifth bottom, 35% chance of relegation. And Leeds, sixth bottom, at 20% chance of relegation. And the gap starts to get bigger. So they're looking at, really, Leeds, Southampton, Bournemouth, Wolves, Everton and Forest, with possibly West Ham slipping in there if they actually start to do any worse. But West Ham are actually, actually, uh, are actually, um, I'd say undervalued. They're actually kind of they're underperforming massively compared is to how they're playing. Is that a predicted table you're looking at the there? The that's the five thirty-eight predicted right, okay. table. I was going to say Southampton are definitely bottom at the moment. I was just checking. Yeah, no. This is the this is the end of season uh, predicted table, and I've given you the, the the predictions of the chances of relegation. So they're saying the bottom three will be Nottingham Forest, Everton, and Wolves possibly Bournemouth at the moment is what they're saying um, this is 5.38 but that could change week on a week it just gives us an idea of kind of where we're at we're well out of this at the moment now not which Leeds. is lovely absolutely well out of it even for um, Leeds not are not Leeds. no Leeds are oh. six, five, one, two, three, four, five. they're six oh. from bottom at the moment now you know but still it, it, it will be interesting to um, maybe we can do this for the next one I'll dig it out interesting to see what they were predicting for the, the, the bottom three or four for last season compared to what they're predicting at this stage for this season and just to see how accurate that was because they weren't they weren't they were in, from memory they weren't that wrong um, it's uh, you know but as, as you rightly said this this season seems a lot closer and without anyone being really cut no, adrift yeah, I mean yeah exactly you know so uh Yes, so um, just coming back to so, so coming back to that actually, and you've got and you say this time last season, Daney as well is what you're saying. I mean, lot, it, well, interesting. Yeah. This time last <clears throat> season, they actually had Norwich bottom of the table, and uh, you know, and they were 91 chance chance of relegation. So uh, yeah, then but interestingly, second bottom of the table last season. Guess who that was? Us. Quickly, go around the table. Go around the table. No, no, no we no, we weren't anywhere close. No, no, we were we were like. Eighth from bottom. Burnley. Yeah, lot. I'm thinking. Well, I would have said Burnley because they were they were in a mess, weren't they? Newcastle. They got that slight winning. Picture. It was Newcastle. Newcastle were predicted second bottom of the Premier League by 5:38 on round about this time today, and they were 70 percent, 75 percent chance of relegation. Right on the third of January, okay, and then third from bottom of Watford predicted with a fifty-two percent chance of relegation, and Burnley were fourth from bottom with a forty-two percent chance of relegation. Then after that, massive gap to Leeds United with a fourteen percent chance of relegation. So you see how that flipped as well. Was Leeds United still had a chance to be relegated on the final day of the season, even though at this stage they were fourteen percent. So they must have got massively worse as the season progressed. Five three eight didn't factor in the Saudi the Saudi money or any of that did they none of that was factored in at that no, point no, you so can't, no, that you, completely no. skewed it that completely no, that, skewed it. it it took it took a it took a very very yeah. dramatic uptick yeah. from one club and it, it proved that yeah. the, yeah. the, ta- the, the takeover mm. would have happened but whether the form had turned at that point because they hadn't had the transfer window or anything had they no, they brought Trippier no. in in that what, window that's what, yes. what I mean but yeah, at the point at the point yeah. of this table they hadn't I think basically how this works that it looks at how your team is performing and it looks at the stats and it basically kind of sort of maps that onto how it should do in the future so, so for example if all of a sudden Newcastle signed Haaland okay in January it wouldn't map no, that exactly. or technically it wouldn't do because it just does 
doesn't. You know what I'm saying? It, it maps it as how things are, and then when Haaland comes in and starts scoring, then it starts to change that. Like you know, so that's what I'm saying. So it wouldn't have mapped in the fact that money, because other clubs will bring in, they'll bring in money, but the money may not do anything. So you can't just say because we've got money, then we're going to do better. So it kind of has to look at how that affects the results in the future. So that's like I said to you. So it, it was pretty accurate last season, apart from the one. So yeah. yeah. So okay, okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll take half yes, from that then. That's right. So that's all good. So uh, anyway, so just looking back at this um, Tottenham game, uh, as we're summing up. So this Tottenham game. Okay. So where Tottenham, uh, where, where Brentford were good actually, we were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from counter attacks. We were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces, and we were strong. At finishing, our weaknesses were we were aggressive and we lost possession often. Tottenham, they stole the ball often from us. They were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long shot situations and also from the flanks. And they were very strong at finishing. They were also caught offside often and committed a high number of individual errors. So, I mean, looking at that, we, you know, we we got a few things to clean up there, don't we, the Allard? Yeah, I mean. It- Tottenham, like I've already said it, Tottenham are, I think they're a weird team to play against. I don't, I'm pretty sure they they outperform XG most weeks. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a massive benchmark. I think, um, I think it'll be very interesting on Friday, um, you know, the West Ham game um, to see where we are there. Yeah, interestingly, just looking at the the top performers, according to um, who scored as well for that game, the top scorers were Hoiberg, you know, 8.2. Harry Kane, 7.8. Okay. Um, okay. As, as well. So, Hoiberg and uh, Lenglet as well. Uh, Lenglet as well was the third highest performer. And then it was Janelt. Okay. And then Kulazewski as well. So, those were, it was all Tottenham players, which is quite interestingly. Because uh, I thought, looking, you know, I don't know if this is their second half performance that you thought gave them that alley. I- I don't. Know, I thought Kuliszewski was was re- was easily the most dangerous player. Although Rico did a very good job of keeping him quiet, um, it's it's difficult to judge, isn't it? Because then you look back and it, it's the last half hour, almost in some ways that you remember, and they are ridiculously strong in the last half hour. And it, yeah, an element of his down into luck and just having those those three outstanding centre forwards. But I remember saying when we went to him up, I said to my son, my eldest son, who's who knows a hell of a lot more about football than I ever will this is not over because Spurs are ridiculously strong in the last half hour and he said no it's not over until it's over and it's just they've done it to other teams this season they'll do it to more teams this season it's just you know I, I think a lot of it is a, a, they're, just, they're super fit is a lot of it um, I think when everybody else is running on 95 90% they're still going on 100% you know and it's just that that makes a difference and it's you know it's I don't know it's, it's, one of, it's a funny old game as they say isn't it so not quite, not quite a game of two halves, but a game of an hour and a, and a half an hour. I think it just shows you once again that you know when we've got our strongest team out, we're we're more than a match for anyone in this in this division. And you know, um, it, it only it only was when we weakened our team through the, the substitutions. You take Norgard and Jensen off, um, and you replace it with with Godos, and that's not really even knocking Godos. Because you know, I think it's it's difficult for anyone to come in to, and and get up to speed immediately. I mean, you know, it it did it did weaken us, but not necessarily because it was just him. But it wasn't it wasn't the players that had gone off. More importantly, I'd say, um, and it's you know again, you know, that's that's what that, we we'll talk about West Ham obviously in a, in a little bit. But that's what gives me hope. We'll 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 presumably be back to that 
full strength starting lineup, um, and we'll be able to give West Ham more than a match for anyone else. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed, obviously, that we we we'd let a two goal lead slip. Um, and you know, we, we I think we've we've talked kind of off air about the push in the back that Kane gave to. To, to Ben Mee, you know, I think it was a, a proper, you know, centre forwards pushing the small of the back, and it was no complaints. I don't think. I think it was like what any centre forward with any physical um, presence would have done. You, you you leap and you push the player out of the way. It wasn't a foul, I don't think, and it wasn't an appeal for a foul. But um, it just shows you, uh, as, as the Allard said, you know, I, I don't think there's pretty much anything we could do to defend that apart from having someone who's three foot taller than uh, Harry Kane and, and uh, you know, attacking the ball with, with his, you know, facing, facing the player rather than kind of competing if with If Tony does that to Dyer, there's a lot of whining, I bet. Yes, yeah, 100%. I, I just, yeah, I, I the, the other thing that I just noticed, I didn't notice it at the match because it happened at the other end, was how good that chance Brian had when we were 2-1 up. You know, I, I think, and I'm, I'm, I love Brian, yes. I love him, but I think if that falls to Wissa or that falls to Tony, we're 3-1 up. Do you know, uh, so, and, I, I, and that, I, I, that changes yeah, the whole and, thing again, but, you know. Tony's... Tony's chance to, yeah, to win it yes, 3-2 or, in the last yeah. five minutes. If you Which look you don't at really the, that, that's a high probability yeah. chance. And, and if that's Harry Kane, no, not necessarily. I've seen I've seen I've seen, seen Kane miss. Those. Those. He, has go, <laughs> I've seen he has to go with his head at that stage. And we we, we can't finish this section without yes, saying how Rico was brilliant Rico because Kulicheski looked whenever he got the ball looked really dangerous, easily yeah. the most dangerous player. And Rico absolutely had his number for the entire game. He was brilliant the entire game. It. It was another game where you spend it looking at Rico Henry thinking, why doesn't anyone seem to want to sign him? why does he not get to play him? for England? I don't know. There must be a, 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 literally a conversation within football that he's not big enough or something um, like that. And, and there's loads of people. And was, and loads there, of people there was another Rico... Them. Another Rico playing for Man City last night, and I thought, why is now Rico playing for Man City? You know, he's just well, not, not that I want him to go, but you, you know what I'm saying. He's like, I think he's that good, and I thought David Raya's distribution. I think, I think Man City, having been well. taken apart um, by us, decided they needed their own Rico, didn't they? That's what it was. Yeah. So listen, anyway, we're going to go over to JB. JB's got a few facts and funks for us, some festive facts and funks. Let's go over to see JB and hear what he's got to say. Jonathan Birchall here again. Against Spurs, we scored first and ended up with a point. Now that's 17 times we've been ahead in a Premier League match and not lost. Just as we did at Manchester City 44 days earlier, before the World Cup break. Which incidentally wasn't our longest mid-season break. That of course was during the pandemic. But there was also the 1963 when there were no matches for 52 days when the weather intervened in what became known as the Big Freeze. Vitaly Janelle's goal was the first we've ever scored against Spurs in the top tier, and the first league goal against them since December 1949. It was obviously disappointing to let a two-goal lead slip, but it was the first time we've done that in the Premier League. We have to go back to a championship game away at Derby in March 2021, when we were similarly 2-0 up, as the game ended 2-2. But for a 2-0 lead to end in defeat hasn't happened since October 2020, when visitors Preston ran out 4-2 winners. Both those games were behind closed doors. Although, as on Monday, Ivan Tony was on the score sheet in both games. 
Back in 1904, when the club moved to Griffin Park, the first stand to be constructed was on the Braemar Roadside. Currently, it's the last one standing, although we hear it too will be demolished in the coming weeks. Ironic that that news breaks as we've played our 50th league game at the GTEC and have an upcoming fixture against West Ham, who were our opponents in the very first Southern League game at Griffin Park. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So there you go, JB, with some facts and some funk. And um, listen, he's talking about, you know, well, talking about the year. We're talking about festivities and we're talking about 2022. And uh, we had a little few thoughts about 2022. I mean, normally we do is a festive rundown where we do the best goal of 22 and the best laughs of 22 and the best beer you had in 22 and all that kind of stuff. But we decided because of, uh, we're going to blame it on the pandemic. Because of the pandemic, we're not going to do it this year. <laughs> we're going to do something else. We're just going to just cre- briefly just go over a few little, probably a few little high points from 2022 and uh, and just, just, just go around the table here and uh, let people discuss it. I'm just wondering. So, um, Laney, your best Brentford game of the year, 2022. What is it? The best best Brentford game of 2022 for me, for the whole game, not a moment, but a game, I'm going to go for Chelsea away. Um, uh, For me, that... That was just incredible. I never this, you know, this just journey that we're all on, and uh, the, since we got promoted to the Premier League, there's there's lots of I I never saw it happening in my lifetime moments. It's you know there's probably ten now we can we can probably all list, and they they're all kind of moments that never in our wildest dreams, never in a non-drug drug fueled fantasy did would we ever think that this was possible. Um, and it sounds it sounds a little bit kind of small club, small mindset. But you know, I I am someone that's been brought up, and my whole of my Brentford life has been in the lower league. So it, it's going to take me a, a little while to acclimatise to this. I don't. So I'm not saying the players think this, or that anyone that runs a club thinks this way. But for me, as a fan, um, I, I, I these moments are kind of like beyond my wildest dreams. So Chelsea, after going a goal down. And coming back and then wiping the floor with them and, and seeing us, you know, four goals. Um, yeah, for me, that was incredible. I mean, that's good. I mean, it's interesting, lady, because I, I mean, I was with you for Chelsea and 
listen, you know, I would have dreamt all day long of going to Chelsea and giving them a good bashing because we've been there as Brentford fans in that away end and we've always hated going to Chelsea. It's just been a really rubbish away day and it's just been a, the atmosphere in the stadium's not great. You can't have a good drink around the game, around the ground and it's just like a weird one. And so I would have loved to give them, but when we gave them a good bashing, it was good, but it was almost like, it sounds really bad, like it was almost so easy. <laughs> and it, it didn't, I don't know if I like the kind of sort of like the, the, the being on the edge slightly. And that Chelsea game, I was like, really, we've done it and I went away. But it still didn't have the same for me as, as other victories we've had, even maybe in lower divisions, you know, beating Cambridge or beating Peterborough or something like that. And, and you might think that's really weird because that's where we want to get to. But that was just the feeling that I had coming away from Chelsea. And I don't know because if it was just... Yeah, but we're, we're, but we're, we're talking about 2022. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, there, are the, there are huge euphoric moments in, in the past. But, you know, the four goals that we scored there, each of them was an absolute peach. You know, Yanilts two... Um, you know Ericsson seeing the seeing the you know that brilliant Mbumo pass into him and the, you know him taking a tumble after knocking the ball into the roof of the net and then Wiesa putting the icing on the cake. You know each of them to be remembered and savoured. And I still remember looking over at one gnarly old Chelsea fan who'd been giving it so much so much grief when they went a goal up and he he, he disappeared by the time the fourth one went in. So you know that 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 was just as pleasing just to see that sad old git bugger off yeah, yeah yeah and I'm not taking away from your 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 your, your game of the of the of the year mainly uh, I think I probably was more sort of just reflecting back on kind of like where we've come from where it gets to the stage where Chelsea was great for the year but then we've just we've had a, another lots of uh, other sort of experiences that made us feel feel warm the Allard so I'm going to go, and, and before I say it, um, I, I suspect we're going to name three of the biggest clubs in the world, and we've beaten those three <laughs> clubs during this little section. I'm going to go Man United, the 4-0. Um, I, I, I say it not because it was a great game, uh, Man United was shit, um, but because it was, it was like, that was the game where people went, shit and hell. And, and, and I got text messages from all around the world um, probably more than the, than than the than another game I suspect that will come up in a minute. Um, I, that was amazing. It was four 0 at half time. I thought we might beat them seven or eight nil, which just would have been un, in unreal. Um, and but what I really remember at the end of the game was I walked through Richmond and I just followed this bloke who had a Ronaldo <laughs> top on. <laughs> just walking through Richmond. I didn't say anything to him, but it was just looking at his gait and his body language as I've walked through Richmond behind him. And that was, yeah, that was beautiful. Okay, yeah, that was great. Great match as well. Great atmosphere. Um, scored very early on as well, so we felt comfortable for it with it. We didn't feel at any stage yeah. that we were yeah. going to lose yeah. that game, which was quite a nice yeah. one. You know, which is uh, quite, probably quite rare as a Brentford fan. You know, probably, you know, probably quite similar to the Chelsea game once we went, once we started to score the goals against them as well. But um, so, Ali, which one oh, was your? I mean, it could, it could easily have been either of those two games, but you know, it, it's got to be City away because uh, I think unlike those two games, at, at no point did you actually think that you weren't in danger of losing the game, um, and then. To come away with a, a, there's nothing like a last minute winner and a last minute winner away to the champions and it was just a phenomenal game. I thought we played it perfectly. The game plan was perfect. You know, we stopped the supply to Haaland. We 
kept De Bruyne quiet, you know, they only really scored because of the moment of magic from Phil Foden and it wasn't a fluke result, it was a thoroughly, thoroughly deserved result and, you know, made all the more sweet because we all went up there thinking anything that's not a battering will be a good result, never for a minute dreaming that we were going to come away having beaten them on their own patch. It, it was it was a great match and, and a really, really, one. I think one of the finest Brentford performances, arguably our best performance in the Premier League, the Chelsea game is up there, but City are a better side than Chelsea were, so I think it's arguably our best performance in the Premier League. And it was a, it was a great match, great match. Yeah, it was it was a very good one. No doubt we'll be talking about that also a little bit later because it's going to feature because it is a big, big game and a big, big result. For me, the, the game of 2022 was actually, for me, was Leeds United at home. Um, not last season, this season where we beat them 5-2. And uh, it's for a number of reasons why I love that. It's because it was a culmination of like, you know, of last season where we could have actually buried them. We could have actually relegated them at last game of the season and they beat us last game of the season. Didn't matter to us because we were still in whatever position we were. But the fact that we, 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 we failed in our mission to bury them after they were so cocky to us um, really actually spoilt the sort of the, the end of the season for a lot of Brentford fans. And so we were gutted. So the fact that we were able to come back this season and kind of pay amends right and deal with them was fantastic but not only that the fact that we absolutely did them like a proper kipper as well and they there was no comeback whatsoever and Jesse Marsh was there moaning away on this touchline and the Leeds fans were in the corner doing whatever they had to for me that was brilliant and uh and like I said to you I'll talk about goals again in a minute but for me that was the best game of 2022 just because of not necessarily because of the you know Chelsea beating Chelsea is massive as up there Man United Man City those are all really up there Leeds aren't isn't as up there as it is but I think the sort of kind of for rivalry between us and Leeds United and just the disrespect that they've showed us over the years and the fact that we absolutely did them on our own patch that made it very sweet for me you know you, you 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 like that as well, though, didn't you, lady? Four 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 incredible games there. Yeah, I, it, yeah. I got you know going through each of those. I, you know, Ali at Man City. It's, it's a it's a match that um, it's been described back to me by by several fans as kind of like whether wherever you were in the world watching that game, you kind of it felt just as just as massively high. The way you celebrated the the, the Ivan Tony winner. Whether you were in Australia, whether you were in South America, whether you were actually inside the stadium or whether you were in the globe, you jumped up and down and you went potty like you were there. And I don't think it actually diluted um, that, that incredible euphoric feeling no matter where you were. Um, the Man United games, as the Allard said, it was, yeah, I mean, we were all pinching ourselves. And me personally, I was boring the arse out of Billy and Dutchman standing next to me going, so <laughs> they got to score five. Like, even, even up to the last three or four minutes, I was going like, so there's seven minutes to go and they've got to score four goals for us not to win this. And, you know, it, it, and then, you know, the Leeds game, as, as you rightly said, Bill, you know the hat trick by Tony and seeing Marsh. He was sent off, wasn't he? Um, it was yeah. It, we we really rubbed their noses in it, and it was a it was a proper ding dong of a ding dong of a game. You know, there was there was 
incidents all over the place. But yeah, we we, we rubbed their noses in it, and um, you know the Chelsea game obviously, of obviously described. So yeah, what a season! And there's 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 others that we've not even mentioned. So it just shows you, you know, how much we're contributing to this top flight. Um, we're worthy of our place here, and long may that continue. Well, definitely long may that continue. So goal of 2022, the Elod. Um, goal. Um, uh, from what you just said, I, I hope I'm not going to steal yours, but um, I'm going to go to the Leeds game and Ivan Tony's goal when the goalkeeper's not in the goal, nah. which is arguably it's it's arguably an easy goal to score. But I love goals that are look that are just odd. Do you know what I mean? You, when you watch them, they're different. Somebody does something different. You could say the Dutch goal in the um, in the World Cup, you know, from that free kick. I love those goals. And um, and Tony's that that for me was just like a moment of of, of pure class and magic. And, you've um, done the steal. Yeah. You've done the you've I'm done sorry. the steal. Oh, well, I didn't know I was stealing it, did I? <laughs> Until you just built it up a minute ago. Oh, and sort of mentioned what, you what, might what, do a goal. It's been a bit of skullduggery. Oh, daylight robbery there. I'm going to have to get another goal then. I have to think of one quickly. Uh, you know, so, well, okay. So, anyway, no, it was a fantastic goal, the Allard, it has to be said. And also, like I said, the meaning behind it made it even better. And it was a goal that we thought, at the time, had secured Ivan Tony's place in the England World Cup squad in mm. Qatar. But it's surely it wasn't to be. We won't talk about that uh, anymore. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, lady, goal of 2022. Well, this may not necessarily be the most spectacular and it's probably not the most kind of celebrated, but the Pontus winner away at Watford, to me, was the moment that I kind of breathed a sigh of relief and knew in my heart of hearts, I always believed it, but in my heart of hearts, I knew at that stage that we were definitely staying up. And, um, you know, it was Ericsson in his pomp putting in a delicious free kick and, you know, um, Pontus rising and, and heading home. And it, it, it kind of, it was probably against a run of play, if I'm honest with you. I mean, you know, we didn't, you know, we'd gone a goal up and they'd equalised and, you know... They had that loser, that loser chance, didn't they? Result, loser but, chance, you know, just, just minutes before that. yeah. Exactly that, but screw fairness. Um, It it, it was, you know, three brilliant points and it it, it meant, you know, you could see the deflation around Vicarage Road. What for wankers were going to go down and it it wasn't us. And, um, yeah, I I think, yeah, as I said, there's there's better better technically finished goals and there's, there's, there's goals that, you know, will be more worthy of, you know, goal of the season contenders. But for me... That that feeling of we're staying up that that meant meant the world and you know for me that's that's going to be my goal. Marvelous, Laney, marvelous, and Ellie, your goal. Oh, it's, there's a, there's a there's a couple that you that you know Tony's free kick, um, Ericsson's goal against Chelsea for this almost a symbolism of it. But I think I have to go for for as a team goal, and from one end of the pitch to the other, and also because of the pottiness that followed it was um, the winner at City because the way Wissa broke out with the ball, Rico steaming along at 5,000 miles an hour and then Josh coming up on the outside, you think, oh no, he slowed it down too much. And then actually by slowing it down, it gives Ivan a chance to catch up with all the all the quick lads and it just puts it in. And it was just such a beautiful goal from front of back. I don't think I've watched any goal on repeat so many times. I've watched that goal from various angles. So 
that just edges out probably for me Ericsson's goal at Chelsea but a beautiful oh, goal beautiful for, like I said to you I've been completely scuppered here now and I've been sitting there sort of trying to trawl through all the matches of, uh, of early, even earlier this year to see if there's anything that made me feel warmer than scoring against Leeds United and I have to admit at this stage I'm actually really really struggling Actually, I'm not saying because there's some bad goals, but it's all I had my mind fixated on that goal there. So what I might do, and I'm well, going to cheat. Talk about that goal, Bill. Talk about some more about that goal. It's worth talking about. Well, well, talk about the, the Ivan Tony goal. Well, yeah. Well, the, the, t- tell you what it is as well, because the thing about it is that we with Ivan. I know you said earlier if that ball come to Ivan Tony, not that one, but another one come to Ivan Tony or if it come to Buisa, it's in the back of the net. But the fact is that it's never guaranteed, you know, in the same way that it may be with one of these elite strikers, as you call it. And But it's almost like when we, we got to that stage and we were so comfortable in that game and Ivan, it's almost like there's a psychology behind it as well. There was the England thing. There was the kind of, is Ivan good enough? Is he not good enough? There's all that kind of stuff going on. And he could have done anything at that moment. But he just thought, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the piss. Right? I'm going to absolutely take the piss here. And I'm going to score a goal, but in the most audacious way. And so it's not only him scoring the goal and technically how he did it. I think it's the psychology behind it and what was going on around the time. And I think it's a euphoria of what was happening in and around Brentford, where, as uh, as you said, the Allard, you're sitting there and we beat Man United, which, to be honest with you, wasn't a great game because we just, we just did them. But you were getting texts from all around the world. It's almost like the world had gone, oh, my God, Brentford have arrived, even though, like, we had thought last season, we'd arrived last season. But for them, it's almost like you have to do certain things in their world for Brentford to arrive. So beating Man United... Brentford had arrived you're getting the texts everything like that so we were put on a different platform at that stage it's almost like oh Brentford they're actually quite good aren't they and then Leeds United come down who took the piss out of us last season and are constantly taking the piss out of us and you know celebrating with the cup telling mind the gap Thomas Frank and doing all these things just disrespecting us and we just went there and just did them and then just decided to score a goal which was so beautifully cheeky it just kind of completely rubbed their faces in it and basically said that's the reason why we let them stay up last season just just to be able to do that so that's I think that's why that goal felt so good for me and, and I think I think Bill you don't need to give us another goal because you gave us you're letting him off cheers I love I love the and he took the punch. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, you can see I've been trying to hold this up. I've been trying to be professional about this the whole time. Sometimes I just can't let it out. To be quite honest with you, I've actually been chatting to one of my American mates who came to the game on Saturday. He was in the Globe on Boxing Day. He was in the Globe on, and he came over from America, from Baltimore. Okay, Adam. And he came to the, the match and he really enjoyed it against Tottenham. You know, again, then he's gone off all around the country and he's been watching a, pretty much a game a season. And he went to go and watch Leeds last night. So I was giving him the inside information of where to go and where to drink and also kind of the kind of reception that he he will receive when he was at Leeds United and he's, he's been feeding back to me the Leedsism and obviously they lost to Man City yesterday and I just said I bet they weren't very happy were they and he's you know he's, he's never been to very many games he goes no they really weren't like you know what I'm saying <laughs> so uh so yeah so I think that kind of unhappiness of Leeds you know we we do get a joy from when Leeds get an unhappy only because they uh, they they do really give it, especially if they're in the upper. If if they're rising, 
and they're doing really well they, they really do give it so I think so it gets to the stage where if they're if they're not doing as well we do kind of uh, we do we do revel in that but anyway so I hope, hopefully on his um, his football tour he's avoided the QPR Luton game that they've they've moved they've they've finished CBeebies early a little bit earlier and they put them on at 4:30 this afternoon kickoff which is a bit of bit bit of yeah, an odd one he, but lower low, lower league problems yes, that's huh? right he has he has actually missed that Luton one and uh, the QPR Luton one he was he was considering going to Millwall tonight but instead he's actually in Liverpool at the moment now and he's going to Liverpool Leicester tomorrow and Leicester. Yeah. So anyway, um, goal of 2022. So moment of 2022. I'm going to go to uh, um, oh, 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 Ali. I've got, I've got, if I've got your goal of 2022, yeah, the City winner, winner at City. Yeah, the City yeah. win, of course yeah. it was, yeah. And so you're, I'll go straight to you, Ellie, for your moment of 2022. Well, I, I was thinking about this earlier, and in, in a sliding doors moment, as a Brentford fan, you would say you could have had um, when Eriksen stepped on the pitch at Newcastle, but you know, and if he'd probably shown more manners when he left, then you'd still have it. So, but leaving that one aside, um, I am going to go for. I'm going to go for one and a half actually, because I want to get a sneaky little extra one in both in the same game. The, first, the main one is the second goal against Manchester United where De Gea plays the ball out, out to Ericsson and there's a bit of bad feeling between the, our fans and Ericsson at that, at that point and um, Jensen just comes steaming him robs him of possession sticks the ball in the back of the net goes over shooting a fan and Ericsson is just standing there arms spread what the hell, what's happened and you just think he must be thinking what the fuck have I done at this moment and you know subsequently it's all gone smoothly for him and it's, he's doing well there but at that moment it was a very very sweet moment and uh, I'll just add the other point from that game that is part of that almost is at 4-0 up when we were all chanting Ericsson what's the score for some reason he didn't want to play that game can't think why so we decided we were going to ask Pontus what the score was and Pontus very Sort of like, well, he probably thought it was subtle, but I think it was wet, put, put his four fingers up to show what the score was, and uh, to, to great applause from the West End. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that was my moment and a half from 2022. Right. Uh, the Elod? Um, when you talked about the Leeds game, I remember I've forgotten about Jesse Marsh being sent <laughs> off, which would be quite a good moment. I assume you're not going to say that, Bill, but I'm just going to put that in there. Um, but, but my moment, um, as good as that was, my moment was. Um, it was Norwich away. Uh, well, I think we'd come off the back of, I don't know, it seemed like hundreds of defeats, but obviously it wasn't. Um, it seemed like things were on a downturn at that point, albeit that Ericsson had, had, um, had made his debut and stuff. Um, but there's two things about, about the first goal. It's the first goal. It's, it's that we scored the first goal against Norwich, which I think was massive. Um, we'd lost to Norwich already that season. We needed to beat them. Um, and, and, and that was such an important pivotal game because we, we just had started to look down rather than up but also it was a near post nod on um, for the header which is something we'd tried all season um, I don't think we'd succeeded at that point during the season Jensen had been trying it but, but, but we, hadn't achieved, uh, we hadn't achieved that goal we had, I don't even think we'd achieved a near post nod on at that point uh, we just had everybody saying you know oh, we, we can't get it past the first man which was never the point because the point is you hit the first man but it should be your, mm. you're the first man and, and, we, and we absolutely nailed something we've been trying to do in quarters 
um, all season and we absolutely nailed it and, and I just remember that sort of feeling of relief and also laughing at myself as to how the goal was scored. Moment, wow. <clears throat> it's going to be another late goal Ooh. for me, I think. Um, I, I'm going to give it Josh De Silva oh, away at yeah. Leicester. And Leicester. On my birthday. <clears throat> um, <laughs> oh Yeah, Ali's birthday. <clears throat> First game of the season. Uh, looked like we were out for the count and um, Thomas Frank out-tacticked Brendan Rodgers. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I mean, the goal was brilliant. It was just, you know, tr- copybook Josh De Silva curler into the, into the, you know, left footer into the far corner. But for me, as a, and as a fan, really, it, it meant the season was just up and running. We had points on the board. Uh, we we knew that you know we weren't you know we, we, we weren't on catch up already you know we would have taken a point before the start of the game we got a point at the end of the game and it meant that there was a point on the board and we were as I said up and running and uh, yeah that's you know we we really so far we haven't been playing that catch up. Um, in the in the prem um, where you're kind of stranded. That's not to say it won't happen, and we don't take anything for granted. But we've always been kind of slightly ahead of the curve, um, you know. Which which and where we're at at the moment, you know, our points for games played is you know is, is looking really heartening. So yeah, that 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 moment, the season was the season had started. Um, we could walk away with our heads held high, and that was for me that was so important. Ellie, oh, he want another one. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I could have split my one and a half into two. Yeah. Give me, give yeah. me, give, give me, give me loads. Yeah, Lord, who else? Who hasn't given me one? Jesse, Jesse Marsh being sent off then. <laughs> is that is that your is that your top moment? I've done mine. We've all done oh, them. Okay, let, so let us through. <laughs> you. Okay, Bill. Let me you. do. Let me do. It's right. you. You're yeah. the one that hasn't done it yet. That's right. Okay, I'm all over the place, and I'm, I'm literally all over the place. Obviously, this this Vino Tinto has been going right to my head. Um, so I was actually going to tell you something. I was going to. We've talked a lot about Man City, and I was going to go, oh, Man City, um, which is great, you know. And everyone's talked about it till the cows come home. But then I just thought, tell you what, let me just let's let's just let's just arch with a mind back a little bit to to last season and even though as you know is i never felt that we were in really in in any danger of relegation at all even though when we hadn't won for two months what i will say is that the thing that you wanted to get to is the stage where you knew that we weren't going to get relegated and the point that we knew that we weren't going to get relegated really was when we beat Burnley 2-0 we had the two successive wins we had Norwich City away which is great okay and it's great having an away day when you win like that and then you've got the next game where we beat Burnley 2-0 on our turf and for me if I look at back the moment of the season was when they had the two Burnley <laughs> yeah. commentators they can bounce all they like <laughs> right they can bounce all they like uh, because, and talking about us because you know they're bouncing around like they've won the Champions League and that was like the first kind of weasters on fire I mean I know we had sort of celebrations before that but Literally, the whole stadium was going off in the background and they were truly confused. They did not understand why everybody was just going absolutely bonkers around them. So if you catch a clip and we'll see if we can find the clip and put it up again in the information box there. The fact that they turned around and they were like just being really horrible and nasty and miserable about the fact that we were celebrating that we were going up and ultimately Burnley were were going down which I believe actually probably at the time they didn't actually think that Burnley were going to get relegated at that stage because they were still kind of sort of kind of just holding their own and every season they always managed to hold their own and get out of it so that for me was was a great moment because we enjoyed it on the day 
singing and dancing and then seeing that clip being pummeled at us day after day after that really just drilled at home that people don't really they just they just don't like seeing us get the better of them really at all and I suppose you could you can imagine that same clip being played at Man United and at Leeds United and at Manchester City and at Chelsea and everywhere else where they have similar commentators doing exactly the same thing so anyway that was uh, fun Having a bit of a 2022 recap. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go away, have a little drink, and then we're going to go back and talk about West Ham. So, West Ham on Friday night. Game is brought forward. Um, and yes, evening kickoff. So, a lot of Bees fans are planning their venture into the depths of Hackney, the depths of Hackney Wick, the depths of Bow. All these places to have a few drinks beforehand. Most people are off work, so it's going to be an early start for a lot of people. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, checking out the West Ham Manor on a Friday night as well. Um, but West Ham, they haven't had a particularly great start to the season. Uh, they had a bit of a tricky start. I mean, they had a, a fairly decent run in Europe last year, so you thought they would have picked up where they were this season. But they had a bit of a dodgy start to the season. But we thought, hmm, maybe it's just kind of, you know, one of those things where the start is wrong but they'll pick up but we've got to Christmas time and they're still kind of down there languishing near the relegation zone so we thought let's find out a little bit more about West Ham by going to Nicky Hawkins from West Ham Fan TV he's going to give us the lowdown on West Ham Good afternoon Beast fans my name's Nicky Hawkins I run the West Ham Fan TV YouTube channel over on YouTube and have done for the last seven years and we're not enjoying ourselves too much this season. Um, we've had a good couple of years, but let's break down exactly what that means for this game in, in the week ahead. Uh, a quick summary of our season, and it's given uh, the squad a little bit of imbalance. We've, um, we've only won four league games all season. Uh, we find ourselves in a bit of a precarious position, uh, just hovering above the relegation zone. And right now, it's, um, this game on Friday is... It's important um, for David Moyes and the West Ham squad because the crowd at West Ham are getting more and more frustrated with the lack of invention from David Moyes. It seems like we've been worked out from last season. Um, and what we can see is there's no evolution to the way we're playing. Um, we're losing a, a very big part of our identity. Um, and I just think that's because we're getting worked out. And there's no plan B from David Moyes. We are very one-dimensional um, we're relying on a few different players um, to try and pull us out um, uh, of, of, of holes all the time and it's just not working this season uh, and we've got too many passengers um, I think we needed the World Cup break because it was a um, a chance to be proactive with the players that we you know we only had five players that went to the World Cup and it was a ch chance for Moyes to work with them players um, We've got a couple of injuries. We've got a real bad injury crisis at the moment. Um, both of our first-choice centre-backs are injured um, and both of our sort of striking options are injured at the moment. Uh, but, you know, we would have thought that Moyes would have been working in training with the likes of Skamaka. Okay, Paqueta went, Kira went, um, but Paqueta, uh, sorry, Skamaka stayed um, and, you know, we really need to get the best of him. Played a lot of money for him. Um, but, we got back to Arsenal, and listen, it, you can you can only you know play what's in front of you. And Arsenal are a very good team, um, but you know I can only judge on what I've seen. And what I've seen is there is no change, there is no invention, there is no 
change of tack. There is no change of approach and it looks like we're going to go exactly the same way as we did at the first uh, part of the season, which is worrying to West Ham fans because at the moment we're going down. Um, to give it a mark out of 10 for the beginning of the season, probably say about a, a, a 2. And that I think that's being generous. Um, I'm not happy with David Moyes. Uh, as I say, a lot of the problems, in my opinion, are stemming from him. Um, he's done very well for the past couple of years, but he hasn't evolved the way we're playing football. Um, we've, got, we've, got, we've been worked out by every team in the Premier League. And it, it seems to me that the players at the moment are the ones that are... Um, losing faith in him which is you know you lose the players is one thing losing the fans is another Um, and I think unless we win this Friday I think the writing's on the wall for David Moyes Um, he needs to pick up points quickly Um, otherwise we'll see our season slip away you know and and there's been a few very very odd um, press conferences from him of late which is um, you know saying things like Leicester who were bottom of the league at the time you know, we must be doing something right. We're as good as Leicester. Um, and then <laughs> just before we start, restarted again, um, we're not in a relegation battle. We're in a fight for Europe, which, you know, I know you've got to be positive, but Jesus, you know, that's, that's, that's trying to spin some, isn't it? When you're trying to convince everyone when, when there's, you know, it's plain for all to see. Um, Am I comfortable with the West Ham squad this season? No, I'm not particularly comfortable. I think we've got a decent squad. I think we, you know, there's there's players in there that could be, um, uh, you know, utilised better, and I think we could, you know, be a bit higher in the league than what we are. Um, but we've got a lot of Deadwood. I think there's a lot of sentiment in our team. Um, a lot of players that have just run their course, and you know, they really shouldn't be at the club anymore, let alone playing in the first team. Um, we can't build, uh, and you know, the, the best thing we can we can hope for now is to is to win the Conference League, which is going to be very tough. There's some there's some big teams that have dropped into it, but you know we've, we're going to put all our eggs in that basket. If we don't um, qualify for Europe again this season, you know we've gone backwards, and unfortunately, there's a lot of teams now, um, the likes of Brentford, the likes of Brighton, and the likes of Newcastle that are. You know, they're impressing and they're the ones that are taking our spot at the moment. Um, in terms of the players that went to the World Cup, uh, I think it was plain to see Declan Rice had a good tournament. Um, Paqueta uh, played well for Brazil. He would have been disappointed to come home a little bit early. Um, Kera for Germany, he always seems to be picked for Germany, but Germany are not a good tired at the moment. And, um, you know, he's not, he's not, a, he was a signing that excited me at first. Um, but you know, as the uh, as the season's gone on, he, he, he looks to be a bit of a liability. He's a bit rash in his decisions. Um, he's playing centre back, which is, you know, I don't think he's a good thing. Ariola didn't really play, um, and we only had one more there, which was uh, Aguered. Um, although he had an excellent World Cup, he came back injured, which is not good for us. Um, it's hindered us. Quite clearly, it's into this. Um, he didn't get a chance to work with the players. Uh, and one of our main signings has been injured once again. Um, he went injured and he came back injured. Who you should be looking out for in a West Ham shirt? Um, I think it's plain to see um, and plain to, um, for all to see that our best player this year is, is a player that you're going to know very well. Say Ben Ramo, he's been um, absolutely excellent. Uh, and this is another reason why I think that um, you know the writing could be on the wall for Moyes. Um, 
he doesn't seem to like Saeed Ben Rama, and I know that there's been talks of him returning to Brentford um, in the last couple of years. He hasn't been my cup of tea for the past couple of years. Um, I didn't think he was consistent enough, uh, but this year he's come back and he's come back with a great attitude. He's 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 been excellent, um, and he's you know he's the main source of danger. Unfortunately for him, David Moyes doesn't seem to like him, uh, and you see on Friday night when against uh, Arsenal, you know there was half a dozen players that were you know really really weren't playing well and he decided to to dig out Saeed which is not the first time it won't be the last time I'm sure um, but he's, he's an exciting player um, he's, he's you know been our best player he's shown that he can be consistent in his form um, and I think at the moment he's just getting stifled by the manager um, yeah it's Listen, I want to see him stay. If if we keep the manager, I can see him going very soon. So, um, the, 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 you know, the, the ones that you know should be performing and aren't performing, um, Lucas Paqueta, he come with big, big, big money move from uh, Leon in the summer, uh, and he just hasn't worked out. Uh, very poor on Friday, uh, on Sunday, couldn't keep the ball. Doesn't seem to be uh, making much happen. He got bought in as a number ten. Um, it's quite clear that he plays sort of like a, a deeper role for Brazil and that's where he excels. But, you know, Moyes trying to force square pegs into round holes again. Uh, he's going to carry on playing in the 10 and I don't think he should. I think we've got other players that, you know, need to come into the side uh, even to replace him. Uh, players like uh, Pablo Fornells. But, yeah, he's, he's not been he's not been great this season. Um who do I think will be top four this season? Uh, there's a question on the list. Um, I think Arsenal are going to be top four with Man City. Um, God, Newcastle look to be assuming at the moment, but we'll see. Um, and I think Manchester United could sneak in there, um, which would be a very shocking one. Um, although Liverpool... They could have a resurgence, and they could, you know, they're, they're capable of going on them 13, 14 unbeaten uh, game, unbeaten run. So, don't, you know, don't rule them out at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be Arsenal, Manchester United, Newcastle, and Manchester City as it stands. Um, last season, going back on last season's games. Um, yeah, you beat us in both, and I think deservedly in both too. We was very poor uh, when we played you both times, um, and you are being spoke as a bit of a bogey club for us. Um, but we've got a few bogey clubs. Brighton, we've never beaten, um, but you deservedly beat us last season, and it just goes to show how much we do uh, we don't like playing Brentford. Is that when you got pulled out of the um, uh, in the cup draw uh, for next week, uh, we was all sort of had our head in our hands. So. Yeah, a um, bit fearful with Brentford. I think they've got a good thing going. Uh, got some good players, um, even Tony, of course. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. There's got a few good players. I mean, the players that have impressed me, uh, you know, apart from the, the obvious, apart from even Tony, um, I've got to say, Damsgaard is one that I really, you know, I enjoy watching play. Um, Ben Mee has he really done well since he's coming from Burnley Pinnock um, he's a decent defender uh, who else 
I'm just looking through the squad now. The silver. I don't. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've. Um, I've watched oodles and oodles of Brentford, but from what I have watched, I've been impressed with them players. Um, how would I do? I think that the game will pan out tomorrow. Unfortunately, I think we're going to lose. Um, I just can't see unless something drastic happens and David Moyes has a complete change of heart. If he goes out the same way he's gone out in the past few games in the Premier League, will we be beaten and beaten pretty well by Brentford? Um, and I think that'll be the end of him. I think if we lose on Friday, I think that will be the end of him. Um, I don't want that to happen. Um, I think he's, you know, he, he's earned himself a chance to turn it around. But unfortunately, if he, if he goes out with the same tactics, I, I cannot see, I cannot see him turning it around. Um, I, I, you know, I never want us to lose a game. I never want us to lose a game. Um, but I, I know that some people are, are that fed up with David Moyes that they're saying um, that they hope we do lose. But I think we will. I think we'll go down 2-0. Um, and I think our season just gets harder from now. Um, thank you very much for listening to me. Um, you can catch me over at West Ham Fan TV. Uh, we'll be interviewing people after the Brentford game. Thanks for the guys um, at Besotted for, for having us on. Um, good luck for the rest of the season, but not good luck this, this Friday. Uh, thank you very much. So there you go, Nicky. Thanks very much for giving us the lowdown. He's from West Ham Fan TV. They've been going for a, quite a while, so go and check them out on all good uh, podcast channels and also on YouTube. But, um, well, I mean, West Ham, it's not only Nicky, but all my West Ham fans seem a little bit nervous about this season and they, they haven't had a particularly great start and uh, if anything like I said to you if you look at the stats we are stats people here they seem to be underperforming so they seem to be playing alright they seem to be creating the chances but not putting them back to the back of the net do you think that is down to tactics do you think that's down to the manager or do you think that's down to the players not being good enough the Allard could be a bit of everything um it's interesting because I, I think I've seen that as well. Um, well. When I watch West Ham, they don't look that great, but they must be creating um, chances, as you say. I don't know. David Moyes, it's always been a weird fit for me, Moyes at West Ham. Um, they they were you know famous for free-flowing attacking football, and David Moyes is probably the anti sort of, anti of that, I suppose. Um, and maybe that's finally coming to roost for them. To be perfectly, I mean, Bowen looks decent. I think they're struggling. I bet maybe they're struggling a little bit with who to play through the middle up top. Um, and then Ben Rama, it would appear Moyes doesn't really fancy Ben Rama, but he has to play him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Ali, I know that you've seen West Ham play quite a lot. I mean, side Ben Rama, we, you know, he's gone from time, but we do have fond memories of that player. And, uh, it's a bit perplexing how it's kind of West Ham journey hasn't really gone according to plan, isn't it? Yeah, you 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 feel that um, it was a, a board by rather than a, a manager coach by that. You always get the feeling that Moyes never actually really wanted him, and uh, the board I think wanted to make a bit of a statement because they had, they they had the fans on their back at the time. Um, I found it really interesting because um, when they played uh, in the Caribou Cup the other night, no- sorry not in the Caribou Cup when they played Arsenal in the league the other night, and they win a penalty and Saeed belts it home to, and it was a really good penalty to go 1-0 up and I, I think it was for their equaliser and Rice gets robbed of possession and you know then Moyes comes out of the press conference and somehow blames Saeed for it and it's just sort of like you're right he he really really doesn't like him I, I think for me that one of their biggest problems is Antonio is misfiring up front um, so they're not scoring goals um, 
I do think they're in a slightly false position, though. Um, I think they've been a bit slightly unlucky with some of their results. Um, so I, I, I'm certainly not taking anything for granted tomorrow at all. No, I'm not, I'm not, not taking anything for granted either. And, you know, you look at their team. They, they spent huge in the summer. They've got they've got quality players everywhere, you know. You've got Bowen and you know they've you've got Rice as Ali just Obviously mentioned. Superb, Declan superb Rice player. is one of the you know the most exciting players in in you know in the country. And you know I, I, I always think that they they they're struggling with this Europa League and Europa Conference and competing and 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 doing themselves justice in the Premier League conundrum. I just think you need I think you need like two. Bit massive squads to, to 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 do that Europa League from August or September all the way through to the to May, um, and be competitive um, and at your best in the in the Premier League. I think it's almost impossible to do. I can't think of any. I honestly, I can't think of off the top of my head any any English club that has, has kind of like done that done that well. Um, and it normally means that you're. You know, you're looking over your shoulder in the league if you have a, if you've if you've had a good European run. It's a huge run. Um, I think take them out of Europe. I think they'll be competing definitely in the top ten. So I think you know that's maybe to blame. And I think maybe you've got DOFs and a buying strategy that is in stark competition with the way David Moyes plays. You know, you've got an attacking flair everywhere and. He's kind of like he's not he's not the best at bringing it out of players. And Saeed Ben Rama, he needs to go elsewhere. Um, he's wasted yeah, there. I mean, and talking about, I mean, you said that they're massively underperforming. And again, stats wise, you know, West Ham are I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're eighth in the Justice League. It's the league that's just all from from XG from you know high quality chances created. They're eighth in the league. If they had actually taken their chances, they'd be eighth in their league. And they're actually uh, one, two, three, four, fifth, five, fifth from bottom in the real league as well so it just goes to show you basically that they're creating chances and they're not uh, they're not actually putting them away and that actually makes them the sort of kind of the most underperforming team in the Premier League second most underperforming team is Southampton you know who are currently bottom but you know from the XG chart they should be 2-4 sixth from bottom as well third most I think is Brentford actually where we're actually kind of about sixth in the XG chart but we're about you know four places below that and then the fourth is Wolverhampton Wanderers as well who are sort of two four six seventh from bottom I think but they're actually third from bottom in the real league so that, that just kind of show you where West Ham are and I think that's the reason why we have to be a little bit careful going into this game we can't presume that they're going to be like a Nottingham Forest or they're going to be like a, 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 a even a Bournemouth or teams like that who who are who are very much underperforming and probably down at, near at the bottom of the league so uh, so yeah I mean just coming to the characteristics of West Ham they are sh- very strong at defending set pieces they're also strong at creating long shot opportunities creating scoring chances and aerial duels but where they're weak at finishing scoring chances defending against skillful players and defending counter attacks so that's where they're that's where they lie the Elard how does that play into our hands um, well, if they're, if, assuming we play counter-attacking football, which we do very well, um, if they can't, if they're not very good at defending that, um, then that plays right into our hands. However, if they're just not converting good chances at some point, you'd imagine they will, which probably does the opposite. So I think it's going to be like you said. I think it's going to be a very tight game. I certainly wouldn't be taking anything for granted um, to, on Friday night. And how do you see, I mean, how do you just quickly, how do you see us setting up? 
as well. We've got similar um, to, you know, similar to how we set before. West, yeah. yeah, we tend to play three at the back against teams, against good teams that play three at the back. Less so sometimes. Maybe we'll switch to 4-4-3. Four, four, no way we won't. You can play 4-4-3, four, four, can you? Maybe we'll switch to 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, but I, I, I sort of think we'll probably go three at the back and and basically match up with their three. They play three attacking players, I suppose. So I, I think we may well match up with that. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll look for, for Mbumo on counter-attacks and Tony when he can catch up with them. And, and uh, Wiesa? Is it on fire? I hope so. <laughs> Coming off the bench on fire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy, mem- happy memories mm. of him coming on and, 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 and scoring that last gasper. I think, you know, from my, from my mind, um, you know, it's two, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Zanka and Rosleff are going to be involved again. If, if, they're, if they're strong, then we, we do all right. Are they going to be under pressure? You know, Rosleff's going to be looking after Ben Rama, I would have thought. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of aerial threat up 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 at the top there. You know, Michaela Antonio, we we know what a what a kind of strong unit he is, but I just think we need to kind of approach. I'm not I'm not comparing West Ham with Man City, but what I'm what I am comparing it with is kind of like we need to come out the traps and let from from the get go let them worry about us, <clears throat> start creating chances and 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 push them back. Let's not let that big um <clears throat> taxpayer stadium atmosphere get get behind their team um if we can quiet the the, the west ham crowd um then you know we we can we can play our stuff you know there's there's, there's a lot for us to to be kind of confident about <clears throat> but we have to start right you know um in the in the same way we didn't do that up at villa park uh, we we let them take control um and we paid a heavy price for that uh, I think we've learnt our lesson, um, but we, we we need to make sure that we we start strong and hopefully we can finish strong as well because that's you know we got <clears throat> we've got a lot of games coming up in a short space of time um, and we we have to we have to the last twenty minutes we need to be on our A game and we we weren't on that against Tottenham um, and West Ham will be aware that uh, you know we 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 do weaken. Okay. I mean, we do. I mean, we do weaken. We did. We did. You know, we we were ahead against Tottenham. We just we we were weakened as we as we changed our players, and that's I think probably we're asking the question: How do we how do we start against West Ham? But listen, just coming around the table, um, score predictions from you folk, Ali. Uh, uh, when you look when you look at this, sounds like Thomas of, Frank. When you looked at this one of games beforehand, so. City, Spurs, uh, West Ham, Liverpool, you would have said that's the game we're most likely to get the points from, West Ham. So for that reason, it's probably the game we won't get any points from. Um, I I can't bring myself to say we're going to lose. I'll go 1-1. But I don't have a good feeling, I have to say. The Allard. Nil-nil. I think, well... Yeah, West Ham lost. Um, they'll go back to basics. He'll probably drop Ben <laughs> Rama, and, um, and they'll try not to concede about that. That might work in our favour. Lady, I'm going to go high XG draw. Is 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 my head? Um, my heart. Oh, I can see us losing as well. Um, 
Yeah, no, I'm going to go for a draw. I'll go for a 2 2 draw. Right, three draws in the row. And I'm going to go 1 0 for the Mighty Mighty Bees. You go 1 0 for well. every game, That's, Bill. No, I used to go 2 0, actually, <laughs> and I've decided to change I did go 1 0 for Spurs, actually, and I was quite close to winning that one well, as well. But wasn't that's I? because everybody, everybody else was so drunk by that <laughs> point, they were predicting us winning 7 0, things like that. So. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to no, I'm going to go for one nil because I, I I just feel that we the one nil that we didn't get at Spurs which we should have done we'll get against Ham. Hopefully you're right. Hopefully you're right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so listen, this is the besotted a pride of West London podcast. I hope you had a great 2022. Thank you very much for listening to us, everybody. We very much appreciate all your support. And like I said to you, if you like what we do, buy us a beer, besotted.com forward slash beer. Also, uh, like I said, subscribe on all good podcast channels if you can do, and write us a review if you can do as well. And don't forget, we've got a little social media channel, besotted.com forward slash global as well. Um, what else have we got going on, Nadia? Anything else going on, really? Um, That's did you mention bit. buying us a beer? Oh, did mention buying us a beer. Yeah, we got your... Okay, we'll buy us a, buy us yeah, a beer we've then. Got, yeah, we've got definitely. Brentford Revolution. It's just Laney's book as well. Go out and buy that. You can get that in all good podcast channels as well. And uh, also, other than that, like I said to you, go and enjoy yourself if you're going to West Ham. If not, enjoy watching it on the box because it is on the box, I believe. And uh, is it's it not? Not, no. not on the box. box. No. no. Oh, no. Less- then, well, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a stream it's been moved, somewhere. It's moved for international week. TV, but not for UK TV. No, that's, that's, that's the FA Cup no, This game. one's been moved. Ah. This, oh, this, this is confusion. This game's been moved because of I think there's something going on in the Olympic uh, Park. On it, the is at oh, yeah, Park yeah. <laughs> it is at seven forty-five, isn't it? It is at seven forty-five. And also, and also because we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is at seven forty-five. Yeah. Also, we're playing Liverpool, aren't we? On the Monday, and Liverpool are playing the Friday evening. So I would imagine that we jumped at the chance to right. move it to the oh. Friday evening oh, because okay. then we will get the same rest time as Liverpool, which oh. is the TV game. Okay, so okay, right, so we've we've we thrown all boring, sorts of yeah, useful yeah, knowledge was, yeah, though. Useful knowledge. Well, the outro, yeah, good good knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. But bring it back up, Bill. Bring it back up. That's right. Bring it back up. But anyway, yeah. So, but we're all off to listen. We're off. We're all off to Hackney <laughs> on Friday night as well. We're going to have a, quite a few beers, and we're going to get jolly, and you know, we're going to enjoy the football, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be the final game of the season. As we get very excited, coming your bees. Our new bees. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Let's beat them mighty hammers. Them happy hammers. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.